Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. everybody welcome to comic book nations the pull list where we talk about all things comics all the time uh i am matt aguilar and i am here with an awesome crew of kofi outlaw and jamie lovett welcome back to the show what's up guys you're coming in soft for twitter we gotta come in hard what up twitter x we are live for the first time comic book twitter x and we are talking comics because it's wednesday i feel like that's more of the uh new twitter twitter kind of person yeah i don't like new twitter so <laughs> so i'm good with it i'm good with not going to that but also i love all my twitter pages. we're live on this wonderful platform we do not like hello we are. no 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 i just don't uh, subscribe to new twitter i just like you know the twitter i remember but uh but uh, no it's awesome uh welcome guys we're gonna be talking a bunch of comics from across the board uh both obviously the big two uh and uh across a, a number of other companies uh we try and cover everything here so let's get rolling uh we're gonna start with marvel because we've got jamie lovett here who uh, for those who have followed the site for a long time or any number of, of years uh jamie is one of our biggest x-men fans and we tend to love x-men uh on comic book nation but we don't get to talk about it very much so i saw an opportunity and we're going to talk about original x-men number one uh a you know one of the stories from oh god i don't even know how long ago it was but essentially when the original x-men kind of came back and it was one of beast's many uh flaws and mistakes that he's made over the last few years uh but it was this one actually turned out to be okay because he, he brought the original team back and we got uh some really great stories from that and then they were kind of sent back into the past and had their memories kind of removed but this kind of revisits that and that original team for uh, a little bit of a, you know, multiversal mishmash, Phoenix, Jean Grey, big story. Uh, well, and you're selling I, that about as well as any X-Men storyline I've ever heard. I mean, here's the thing. It is, it is kind of everything. It's kind of the kitchen sink. I mean, we got, and spoilers, by the way, coming, coming for these books. But, I mean, we have, you know, Xavier dying. We have multiple genes. We have Onslaught. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of a mix and a mishmash of X-Men history here. Um, you know, starting with Jamie, you know, what did you do you think about their return, bringing this kind of concept back into the fold and also what it sets up? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time with this book because I had to I, I wrote a review for the site and uh, I didn't love it. I mean, there's, <laughs> <laughs> partly for the reasons you just listed, there's a lot going on here and there it's like there's so much going on here that like none of it means anything like it's we've done so many revisits with the original five X-Men for whatever reason. It's like people forgot. Nobody liked them when they first showed up and you know, we've done X-Men first class and X-Men season one and all new X-Men. And you come back at this point and you're like, what can another adventure with these characters say that's new and different? And it turns out nothing. It says nothing new or different. It uses the same premise as all new X-Men, right? Somebody comes and takes the original X-Men out of their time so that they can go talk some sense into their older selves. The big difference here is it jumps on the multiverse bandwagon. That's such a big deal right now. And 
the Phoenix from Universe A comes and takes the original X-Men from Universe B and sends them to Universe C to fix something. <laughs> Got it, everyone. It, it's such a convoluted <laughs> setup that the first eight pages of this comic book is just Phoenix explaining it to the main characters. It's it's such a it's so much. And it's not it's like 20 pages in. We end up getting some sort of really lip service like, oh, our younger selves would be ashamed of ourselves kind of theme tacked onto it all. Uh, but it all just feels like a really kind of half baked backdoor pilot for this other series that's coming out that really doesn't have anything to do with these X-Men. They just did it because it's the anniversary and they have to put out so many X-Men comics if they're going to keep their market share. So that like, was the thing I wanted to touch really on. cynical, but that's what it feels like. But no, but that's the thing I wanted to touch on because it does, once you get to the end, and that kind of leads to our larger question here, this feels like a bait and switch because by the, the last, what, two pages? Really... Hey, here's this other series we're building. And it was a like I I I understand from a from one aspect, because like, okay, like we get we do get there and we build up this villain that we're gonna go hunt. But then again, it's like, why didn't you just start with this series? Like, why why go through all of this to get there? I mean, Kofi, did you kind of feel that way? How'd you feel about this issue overall? Um I actually just stumbled onto this one early before I knew we were, re we were reviewing it. I was just kind of like, oh, they're doing another young X-Men thing. And I opened this book. And well, the first thing I'll say is like what the appeal is to doing these original X-Men stories is, is it takes things back to a simpler time, a simpler True. which they start off with when they're just the X-Men fighting plant man. And, you know, that silliness of all that. Uh, but you quickly lose that simplicity, as Jamie pointed out, when this phoenix appears and it's just like exposition, exposition. And I feel like I'm kind of torn because on the one hand, I feel like this was a story that really should have been stretched out over like a limited series, even if it was like three or four books of them getting this message, getting to this other thing, having to actually have deeper conflicts with the other alternate X-Men selves and then kind of having this reveal of a villain and then going from there. Um, but then again, I didn't want to spend that much time with them either. So I'm also kind of like <laughs> happy. My favorite part of this book is that it, it wraps this up as a one shot. as just like a giant one shot revisit to these characters. Cause I'm like, Jamie, I don't need another one of these. We've done this multiple times. So that was my curiosity. It was morbid. It was like, what the hell are we doing with another one of these? That's why I popped the book open. And so I was just like flipping through it. And then I started seeing Phoenix and all this. And I was like, whoa, 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 back up, back up, back up. And I like went back to the front and started reading. And like, yeah, it is dense. I didn't expect, because again, I never like try to preview how long a comic is. I'm not one of those people who puts up a book, flips to see what how many pages are on the last page. And then it's like, oh, I am or I'm not. Like if it gets me interested, I, I just pick <laughs> yeah. it up and just kind of dive into it. So I didn't know how long I'd be reading this book when I started. And I didn't know how deep in like X-Men lore we were going. But yeah, it is dense as hell. And I'm glad Janelle's not here because we would have made her brain bleed because she's already like on the fence with all this X-Men stuff. And like, yeah, you got to know like pretty much a whole good portion of 70s to 2000s X-Men to kind of get all the beats yes. of this book. And I was like, man, I don't know how many people are out there, but it does its job as a backdoor pilot in a weird way because the concepts that it's launching, I'm interested in. 
Like I'm interested in Age of Apocalypse Wolverine. I'm interested in a weird sure. Wolverine team from the multiverse. And I do like Onslaught and like anything with Onslaught, as long as it doesn't get too crazy and complicated where he doesn't have a body or and I got to follow all that. Like I'm good with, but like, yeah, this was a weird book and that's the only way I can put it. Like, it's not at all what you think when you're going to pop open the cover of this book. There's a lot of like, Oh, like kind of shocking all moments, but you got to climb through a lot of dense crap to get there. And it is yeah. not the most interesting stuff. So I, you look I at the, sorry, ahead, I was just going to say, no. look at the art too. Like when you think you mentioned that it, this is supposed to be a simpler time, harkening back to that silver age, who thinks that and then goes, Greg Land, that's the guy for that job. That simple, you <laughs> know, youthful whoa, whoa. teenage 60s vibe. That's it's true. Yeah, Greg Land, sure. It is I true. They don't mesh. But I do love me some Greg Land artwork. So no, this I, could have been like, no, the artwork's not bad, but this felt like it could have been Alan Moore's X-Men. You know what I mean? It like it could be. With it. I agree. I, I yeah. agree wholeheartedly. It doesn't really mesh because they're, they're having, especially in the simpler times spot in that openings, which I enjoyed a lot, actually. Like I enjoyed the commentary on, oh man, what life was like when we were fighting Plant Man and whatever. Like that was fun. I, I enjoyed it. And I'm with Kofi on i am kind of mixed on this because there's actually elements and parts i really enjoyed uh but be, it's because i'm an x-men nerd it's because i understood certain things and like oh cool they're referencing that oh that's cool whatever but like i would never have assigned this uh by the way on friday show like if janelle was like because i'm like no this is exactly what you stay away from <laughs> this is not new reader friendly at all it is not a and it's kind of supposed to be a launch pad because they're launching this other series into it so if someone comes into this they're gonna be lost i mean there's just so much they pack in but there is parts i i enjoyed i i i am a sucker for when original team meets future selves and stuff i'm a sucker for that storyline they've done it numerous times and i fall for it every time i'm I'm just that's i love that story i also am a sucker as soon as i saw age of apocalypse wolverine i was in it didn't really matter what the who the other four were i, I don't i don't care you had me there and i'm good and so i am excited i was kind of bummed that it wasn't a an exile style team and it's just logan's i was like okay yeah, well I, I had questions about that because like Onslaught is this massively powerful psychic energy. What is the thinking that like, we'll get six different colors of that one guy with claws and he'll kill the psychic <laughs> God. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. sure they'll have eight pages explaining that in the first issue of weapon X-Men. But right now I'm very confused about. And Jean's even work. like, Oh, you're not enough. And I'm like, well, what are the other four going to do? They're all have the same. Yeah, that's not the, that's not the, that's just the same person six times. I don't think that's going to be as effective as you think. You just need so you need the very, 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 very best at what is they do. You know, <laughs> the best. It's the best. Yeah. Um, so now, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, it's a lot of ideas thrown together from like X Men Hodgepodge, and not in a kind of funny new twist, Chip Zardesky, Chip Zardesky kind of way, but like Chip Zdarsky um, kind of way. But um, in the like Jamie said, it's also, I was not a fan of this multiverse. I was like, man, are we like going to reverse engineer this like comics inspired multiverse craziness into live action mainstream. Now we're going back to pump it back into comics too. Like everybody in every book I feel like I'm reading is just like hopping earths these days. And it's just like, now I got to remember a whole set of numbers for earths and stuff. And I'm just like, whether it's DC or Marvel, 
And I'm like, look, guys, this timeline and reality sucks, but we all got to start dealing with it in 2024. So it's like, let's get every comics into like, let's fix reality type stuff and stop trying to shunt ourselves off to some other timeline because this one sucks. It's like, you know, we just got to deal with what is because it's getting out of control every time That's- I look up. Yeah, it's just another multiverse story. That was exactly my problem with like Jean in this story. She there's a there's a scene where she's like, I can't believe that I did these horrible things in this one timeline. But it's like, yes, you were also sent on this mission by like a saintly version of yourself who fixed their universe. Like that's the thing about the multiverse. Literally everything happened, which just makes everything feel a little more pointless because you know you hang around in the multiverse long enough, you see every variation. Right. And that that's kind of the weakness of the multiverse is it undercuts everything by being like, yes, but it also happened the other way in this universe next door. And that's why people know it's clear who watched Rick and Morty and who didn't like that's the whole kind of cynical underlying theme of Rick and Morty is that in in a multiverse, when you have this concept, nothing matters, like nothing has any weight. And that's Rick's whole thing that, you know, that blows the other characters minds at different times of the show. It's just like. No, it's really there's infinite versions of you. So, like, why should I love you? Why should I do this? And after a while, that there's a truth to that. Like, yeah, it stops mattering. And that kind of um, robbed, like, you know, Marvel's, you know, one of Marvel's bigger things used to be what ifs. And you don't, and they still kind of bring those back. And we have a show and everything, but you don't need that when you have a multiverse because literally that's what that is. It's, it's like it kind of robbed the what ifs used to be like, oh man, can you imagine that? And now it's like, yeah, it's, it's happened somewhere. Like it's just, it's just out there. We have a test. Um, Once a week, we imagine that. (laughs) So let's move to something that is completely different in tone (laughs) and not in a multiverse. And this is animal pound. Number one, Uh, the, for for me, much anticipated uh, Tom King and Peter Gross kind of take on the, uh, you know, Orwell story, the famous animal farm, kind of a modernization uh tweaking for this kind of current current day uh i this is you know going into it i i kind of felt like i knew what to expect and just delivered exactly what i expected this is a you know dialogue heavy uh you know move through i mean there's a lot of um kind of dealing with you know societal themes and captivity and and like the thing is i'm i'm already very uh I love pets. I love dogs. I love cats. Like I have a very, you know, kind of open heart for animals anyway. So then you put it into this context and like, there are some lines of dialogue in here, you know, that yes, I may, I might've heard before you you hear those, those themes, but like put into this context and the way they are, those lines are delivered. I don't know, man, it just made me, you know, feel some stuff. This was, you know, this was kind of heavy for me throughout through certain moments, Um, especially early on. It sets the tone very early. Um, and you know, mimicking some of the, or not even mimicking, paralleling some of the things from that original story. So, uh, you know, did this for you, does this get you intrigued going forward in the series? Do you think this was, um, a, you know, King has even said himself, right. He's like, I was, I feel like I'm, you know, I think he said something along the lines of, you know, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, I feel like I'm stupid for even trying this, but you know, it's just one of those things I want to try. Uh, how'd you feel about this? Uh, let's start with Kofi. Uh, LM, LFMAO. That's how I felt about it. Uh, <laughs> I was reading it. I'm a person who's like, I've had every, I mean, I've had, you know, hamsters, dogs, cats, fish, a lot of pets growing up, but like, I'm always kind of weirded out by human beings association with animals versus mm-hmm. other human beings. Like I I'm that really, it really does bother me constantly 
how we can have this like capacity for empathy for animals, but like different kinds of human beings were like, no, no way. Like, ah, like I, I hate that. And I hate that so much. And I am always the monster when I kind of like bring that up because people are like, what you hate dogs, you hate cats. I'm like, no, I love both. I just love people more. Like, I'm sorry. Like, and I don't think like pet ownership is as thrilling for them as it is for you. I think it's a lot of psychological projection. And this one kind of takes that cynical nature, my cynical worldview in, makes it into a comic, which I love. And I thank Tom (laughs) King for. Um, Yeah, because, I mean, there are things that like, you know, over time, and and this is, of course, not, this is a very limited view. Like, there are pets that I've had that I've seen who are more than happy with their life with a family and everything. So let's not go off the deep end here, but in overall the world of animals in our relationship to animals, it's as weird as everything else with human beings in modern times. There's just so much selective things we think about versus don't think about views that we have. And we just put together our own world images based on this, right? It's like the food that we eat. I'm still obsessed with the TikTok ketchup thing, right? where they held up a ketchup thing from America and one from the UK and the UK one had six ingredients and the one from America had like 15. And one of them was a subheading ingredient that was actually for 20 other chemicals. Um, And it's just like, but we choose not to do that. We just keep eating the ketchup like, you know, and I just keep going with that. So this kind of challenges you in that way. I think Tom King's statement is on point about being maybe a little stupid for trying this because I don't know who you're making happy with this. Like, I don't think you make pet fans happy. I don't think pet hate or animal haters are going to have the empathy for any of these characters. So I don't know. But in terms of dialogue, it is a pretty, if in nothing else, it's a pretty funny kind of darkly satirical kind of take on like revolution stories and social revolution and all of that through the eyes of a pound. And so in that sense, I get the joke and I actually enjoy the joke and the dialogue. Um, but I was just like, Ooh, man, we are in hot button territory with this one. And, uh, but I was a fan for him going for it. You know, as a writer, I never mind if you fall on your face, just, just swing for something different, you know, swing for something crazy. And if you uh, how'd you feel? Uh, I had kind of mixed feelings about this one. Uh, I mean, I, I like seeing Peter Gross doing some art here cause he is a phenomenal storyteller. Um, I felt like there's a lot of narration here and it's a little overbearing at times. Um, this reminded me of obviously animal farm, but also like with all the oration, it reminded me of that dream of a thousand cats issue of the Sandman with the cat telling everyone to dream of a new world and they wake up and it's there, but this is more grounded, which makes some of it. It makes me raise some questions about certain things like them writing in English on the wall at the end. Like I get that he was like, (laughs) Oh, we should all learn to read or write. But even if you accept that they want to do that, How did that happen? Is there like a pound library that they got to go to to look at some books and learn how to read? I'm very, and and the disconnect there is, there are a lot of stories where I just take that and be like, okay, it's a fairy tale, but this one's presented as so realistic that it's hard for me to wrap my head around that particular bit. But like this one, like Animal Farm, it has a lot of allegory in it about like class struggle and the people controlling us are just turning two different, versions of oppressed people against each other so that they can't turn on their oppressors, that right. kind of thing. Uh, it's a got a little bit, it's got a slightly cynical undercurrent to it because like immediately they're like, oh, this is going to end badly, uh, which which is basically like, yeah, revolution, 
doesn't end well. Which, you know, take that for what you will. It's interesting, and I'll probably end up checking out, like, the next issue. But I'm not 100% sold yet. There there are certain things that are like, I don't know where you're going with this or how that works. But I'm curious, at least. Yeah, that gets me, too. I, I'm I'm curious about where things go. I It was... Um, it was a little, the narration was a lot. Like there was just probably a little too much for me because it would kind of take me out of some of the moments of where I'm just trying to like, I'm, I'm invested. I'm already in. It didn't take very long. It was Lucky's original story that got me in. And so, you know, those, uh, the kind of touchstone moments of, you know, when they're talking about their kids being pulled from them and, you know, hey, you're just going to be, you're taken to the, you know, disposal and hey if you know someone forgets to you know uh there was one like uh that whole sequence about um you know they're talking about oh you pet them and the doors like all about the doors that whole sequence and then just like and they they struggle to remember to fill your bowl and all they want in return is eternal love like some of those moments got me right because like you know i've never uh, not you know a perfect pet owner right so like it automatically has me oh man like i made you know, I made my dog wait like for an hour or two. God, I'm horrible. Like, but like, so it, some of those things, and that's what it's trying to prompt in some respects as well. So you're you're supposed to react to these animals as people in a way. You know what I mean? So uh, for that, it it really won me over, and I'm and I'm curious to see where it goes. I just do feel like, you know, maybe it can be better balanced in that regard because I'm already some of those moments I was already in, and then it would be like, oh, there's another thing of dialogue I need to read, and it kind of takes me out. Um, so hopefully that balance is found going forward, but I, I very much appreciated it. And I'm like Kofi. I like the big swings, take the swings. Um, so uh, in, in this case, let's move to, we got a, we got a couple of different uh, rapid fire reviews that I want to make sure we, we get to, because this was a huge week. This literally could have been like five main books. <laughs> uh, uh, Wonder Woman number four, me and Kofi already talked a little bit about this and, and slack uh, Kofi. I know this one, this one hits you. This, I mean, for me, this series has been phenomenal. What did you think of this one? Uh, yeah, it got me the dad bone. I don't do it well anymore with anything that involves like child mortality. And this one was like a very beautiful story. I think, you know, for all the flack after his, that risky first issue that he put out, like kind of keeping Wonder Woman out of it for a lot of it. I think Tom King has done a, a very good job of, both visually depicting and kind of narratively conveying what makes Wonder Woman unique and different as a superhero in the same way that he did as Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, but for very different reasons and ways. Like this issue was a very good showcase of Wonder Woman's love and compassion and, you know, how far she'll go to use her power and all that stuff for something as simple as giving a child one, you know, great day of what could be his last in. Yeah, You know, it, it was juxtaposed nicely. I love the juxtapositions in this series of how, you know, there is this the sovereign telling the story, but us seeing these different things. And, you know, this was a great one. Like, while everybody's freaking out and preparing all this violence and hate and, you know, all this stuff, Wonder Woman's unbothered and just trying to focus on, you know, showing love to this one, you know, unfortunate soul. So it was great. I love how it's building while telling these isolated stories in yeah. each issue. And so another hit for me, this is like one of my favorite series every time it comes out every month. Yeah. It's really hard to not actually make this the main book every single week it comes out. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm yeah. that, uh, this issue was hit a lot of, in the same way, uh, a lot of emotional, uh, undertones for me that resonate 
Uh, and I just love how he's, he, you know, in those first interviews we did with him, he very much, you know, talked about how he wanted to uh, portray her. And to me, it's been, he's lived up to every single one of those, uh, if not surpassed them. Uh, Jamie, did you have, have you had a chance to check out Wonder Woman or no? I haven't. I was one of those people who kind of wasn't hooked by that first issue. I've heard good things since then. I just haven't had a chance to go back and catch up since. Gotcha. It's going to be one hell of a graphic novel. Yeah, mm-hmm. when it's collected, pff, it'll be fantastic. Uh, moving into another of uh, DC's big, uh, big gun, Superman number nine. Uh, this one, uh, man, I'm so I've been on. I've been here just like waiting for Marilyn to get some shine, and we finally start to move there. Um, also, uh, and I'm uh, Bruno uh, from Nightwing it steps in on the artwork on this, and it's and it's fantastic. But I just love how many things this series juggles how many threads it constantly juggles and it does it so well and you've got movement on lex and his family and you have movement on lois and clark and then you have movement on graft and moonlight and now that ending like there's just so many things always going on in this books but it's woven together so well i just adore i I adore this series uh and it's and it just keeps knocking out of the park for me kofi i know you're also a big fan Oh, yeah. Yeah. Real big fan. Any of this I did not see coming and I'm kind of like, what the hell right now? But I trust (laughs) Williamson's not not let us down. Um, Every I mean, this is as close as I've ever felt of having that Superman, the animated series kind of adapted into like a comic of its own without trying to be the animated series. But this is doing it. There's a whole world here, whole cast of characters. It's self-contained. Metropolis for the first time is the most interesting place to be for me in D.C., it's not Gotham or any of these other places. It's Metropolis right here and how they're f- kind of fleshing out the lore and these two villains that they're not rushing through. Like, I, I like it. I just got to see what the hell is going on now and how this all ties to Marilyn Moonlight, which could be an interesting reveal. So I'm in. Uh, Jamie, I've you've been uh, keeping up with a book that I've been insanely curious about. Uh, G.I. Joe, American Hero. Uh, I'm very much um, kind of all in on this new you know, kind of skybound universe with Transformers and G.I. Joe. But this is one I haven't been able to kind of I didn't catch the the last issue. What have you been thinking of this? Uh, This is good. So this this isn't part of the Energon universe. This continues. Okay. this continues the the original G.I. Joe story from those original Marvel comics that then Larry Hama continued writing at IDW. And now Skybound has brought him back to keep it going. That's why it's at issue 302 now. Uh, I'm not super familiar with that whole run of G.I. Joe. I jumped on this with Skybound, but it's really good. Uh, part of that is because Chris Mooneyham's art is just so dramatic uh, that it just sucks you right in. And it's incredible that Larry Hama is able to do things like, oh, there's a bunch of uh, zombie people at a casino at an island. And also uh, Cobra is apparently a pyramid scheme. Uh, and all this stuff, all this really goofy over the top stuff. And then in the middle, there's a largely silent, like military funeral at Arlington cemetery. And it's all treated with the same, like gravity. And that makes it all feel, feel like it works together, that it's cohesive. Uh, it's a confidence in storytelling that really works and makes this a lot of fun to read. And you're also digging the Star Trek books, right? 
Yeah, those books have been really, really good since they kind of relaunched other ed- under editor Heather Antos, who previously was at Star Wars for Marvel and kind of came and decided, well, let's do what worked there with Star Trek. So there's this line of Star Trek books. Uh, the flagship one is Star Trek, which I think is issue 15 this week. Uh, it's a kind of calm before the storm issue where they're about to have to fight like a whole like dinosaurs, basically alien dinosaurs. Um, but you get these quiet moments between characters in this issue. It's Harry Kim and uh, Tom Paris and then Scotty and Beverly Crusher. And uh, the writers, Colin, Colin Kelly and uh, Jackson Lanzig are just really keyed into these characters and do some great character work that anyone who's been a fan of any of that next generation era of Star Trek is really going to enjoy if they check this out. Awesome. Kofi, you going to send us out on a cool note? Uh, yeah. So before we get done talking comics today, it is my job to inform you that as we are recording this and dropping it on the live streams, we have released the first of our comic book 2023 Golden Issue Award winners. And if you've been keeping up with this, this is our self-styled award show that's uh, getting bigger every year. And so far we have released our picks for the best comic writer for the best graphic novel, best limited comic series, and best ongoing comic series. And our picks might surprise some of you. Uh, we also have kind of best best artist coming up, and I know who won that. And uh, we have a lot more. So be sure to go to comicbook.com to our comics tab, where you can find out each one of our winners and see if you agree and uh, go back over our list of nominees and see if you feel like anybody got snubbed, and then you can let us know about it. But uh, as we do the pool list every week, the, these are our categories. These are the ones that are most important to this show. We want to know what you guys think of our picks. All right. So, yeah, and we will talk more uh, Golden Issues uh, next week as well uh, and throughout the week as as more winners are revealed, and we've got plenty to say. Uh, but until next time, uh, thank you for watching and listening to The Pull List. You can check out this every single Wednesday on New Comic Book Day. Uh, Kofi, Jamie, where can they find it? I'm at Kofi Outlaw. And I'm at Jamie Lovett. And I am at Matt Aguilar CBC. See you later. <laughs>